Welcome to another episode of JNR Basketball. I'm John, joined by Ronnie, and today we're going to be talking about Game 7. Game 7 is supposed to be the best two words in basketball, but we just saw some really ugly Game 7s. Yeah, stupid Joined today seven. again by Ronnie. Ronnie, how's it going? Um, uh, amazing. These Game 7s just amazing. put me in the best moods <laughs> ever, you know? Especially that Suns game. I mean, being a Suns fan, how, how could you not be in a good mood after that game like that? Right. <laughs> Let's talk about the Bucks and the Celtics first before mm-hmm. uh, before I lose you to mental insanity. <laughs> yeah. This game started off really close. I thought it was going to be an entertaining game, almost to the point where I completely forgot that um, how bad it was because it started off so good. So the final score of this game was 109 Celtics, Bucks, 81. Yeah. Not a good game. Yeah, I, I mean, oh my God. I, I don't even know what to say about this game. I didn't watch too much of it, but uh, the parts that I did watch, I I just, I'm not surprised that Boston won because they're such a good team. But um, when you look at who is missing from Milwaukee compared to last year, um, well, first Middleton was injured, right? Yeah. And then uh, and I Pete... think that's the big piece. The big piece for them is Middleton. Mm-hmm. You know, without him, you have to figure out how to make shots and how to get people in position. And he's 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 good at that. And right now, you don't have that. But at the same time, I mean, can you use that as an excuse? Because I mean, he was out of the whole entire series, right? And they won three games without him. Right. So I mean, I don't know what happened with that. Where I don't know that you really can't use it as an excuse. But then. I also look at where PJ Tucker is no longer at this team. So how much of a difference did that make where now you don't have either of these guys from last year? Um, yeah, you had a Brooke Lopez on that team, but I mean, it was a little Which different. Brooke Lopez had a pretty good game. Yeah, I've always thought he was a fantastic player and I, I believe in him. And um, unfortunately, it's just it seemed like Giannis was the only one playing on the team, really. Yeah, so this game... The differential in points for the final score was 28 points. It is the eighth worst game seven in the NBA playoffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can, I know, you know of one worse. <laughs> what the biggest, do you know the biggest point differential in a game seven in the NBA playoffs? You want to take a guess? Uh, 47. <laughs> 47, pretty close. 40 points. Dallas Mavericks, 116. Houston Rockets, 76. 2005 first round. I was blown away by that. I wasn't sure. Interesting. I, I thought the Suns game was the worst. But then you look at this one and like, wow, this is pretty bad too. So 28 points was the differential. Milwaukee actually led this game at the end of the first quarter. They had a 26-20 lead. They were really missing a lot of shots. I, I put on here, bro, for whatever reason, Brooke Lopez is like, hey, I'll shoot a three, even though I shouldn't shoot. Uh, he's not a great three shooter. I mean, he hits them sometimes, but... He he's was capable. just putting up really bad shots. Yeah, he's capable, but in a game seven, do you want to do you want to rely on being capable? And- you're Brooke Lopez. You're <laughs> bigger than everybody. Go down into the the lane and, and get some high percentage shots. Right, exactly. I mean, it, it kind of depends on what you're given for a shot selection. You know how how good was Celtics defense where he didn't have the option to maybe go down low? Maybe they're just stopping him, so he felt like his only opportunity was to shoot it from the outside. Yeah, I. I don't necessarily believe that was the case here. Mm-hmm. I just think he he thought he could hit some threes and, and went for it. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I, Boston I, was losing at the end. Of, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm 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 a different point of view. Where uh, I, if you could hit a three, then shoot it, you know. And I I do think that he could hit the threes. 
I understand where you're coming from, where he's a big man and he, you know, you go for the higher percentage, you know, shots. There is really no reason for him to just, he should have driven it to the hole, you know, and, and trying to get a, try to do a, a, a two point shot and then get a foul too, you know, so that way you get the Celtics in the foul trouble, you get some of the starters off the floor and then you're, you have a much better chance of winning when you do that. I agree with you. If you're open for the shot and you're capable of hitting the shot, take the shot. I don't think they were good shots. Yeah. Uh, he, he, they weren't, he wasn't open. He was contested and, you know, there was no one in position. Sometimes there were fast breaks where he would just try to take the shot like he's, like he's Steph Curry or something. Yeah. But there was no one under the, 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 the hoop to get the rebound. It just, it seemed like a poor time to do it. Yeah. He did take a lot of my, threes my too. Six threes, away. six threes and he only hit one of them. I, I see where you're coming from. Giannis yeah. had one, one out six. of four. He was cold. Man, the whole yeah, team Giannis was cold. Not much surprise. They were very cold, yeah. So they had the lead at the end of the first quarter. By halftime, Boston had taken the lead 48-43. to 43, And, you know, going up by five, the question sort of became... Oh, and that's actually interesting how the quarter ended. I wanted to talk about that. Do you remember a couple of games ago where Marcus Smart made a shot... And it was shot. He was fouled and doing the shot, but they didn't give him three three throws. They said yes. it happened on the floor, so they only gave him two. Yeah, the same thing happened in this game. Only this time they gave him the three. <laughs> it was at half court. Yeah, so it was there was less than a second left. He got it. I mean, he was clearly shooting, and I agree with it. But it's just like why? Why is it different? It's inconsistencies in the same series. It drives me nuts. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. But I mean, at the same time, maybe the. So, Maybe the refs were told that if that happens again, make sure the call goes the other way. And so they were... Get the you know, call right. <laughs> yeah. So then they had to get the call right. But in the end, it just doesn't look good on TV because, you know, like just like what we're talking about, you know. Yeah. So it was 45 to 43. And with one second left, Smart gets fouled shooting a three. And he hits all three of his shots. So they end up going up 48 to 43. Uh, so they stretch that lead from two to five, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things doesn't make a difference, but it certainly impacts your morale going into the locker room and third quarter adjustments key to success in the NBA playoffs, I'm finding. And they just they made them in Boston. They got they got the right the right changes in place. And, you know, Grant Williams just went absolutely insane with some of his shots. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Drew Holiday now, too? Because there was a couple of games ago where, you know, we were we were just amazed at his defense and how well he was playing overall, and he was like the man on the team, you know. But now, what what do you think of him? <laughs> like after that last game? Well, I I still think Drew Holiday is a great player. This game he had twenty one points. He was minus nineteen, mm-hmm. so his defense wasn't quite what it was. But I, Boston just started hitting their shots. You know, they kept it close. And all of a sudden they came out and, you know, Grant Williams was basically unguardable. He yeah. was putting up insane shots and, and having success with those. So it's it's hard to to look at that. But, you know, Drew Holiday went zero for six from the three-point line. Not not a great idea. I still like Drew Holiday. Yeah. I think that they, they got worn down. You know, not having Middleton impacts some players, you know, are having to play more minutes. And I think Drew Holiday is one of those guys that probably had to play more minutes with, with Middleton's absence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of players that really didn't show up too well on the board, you know, for points. Um, there was Grayson Allen. He only had one point out of 21 minutes. Matthews had three points out of 21 minutes. Um, Connington had two points out of 32 minutes. So there was a lot of a lot of players on this team that just didn't really help out, you know, to get the points on the board. 
Now, is that due because uh, Giannis had the ball a lot and he did, he, he wasn't sharing the ball maybe? Or like maybe well, he needed to pass yeah, it more? And... They were de- no, I don't think so. I, I think there was just the good defense by the Celtics and they started to slip into desperation mode as, as the game went on further. So yeah. it was 79-64 at the end of the third quarter and it sort of becomes, okay, well, we're down by 15. We need to we need to score some points here, so we're gonna have to take shots that maybe aren't ideal, but we need to catch up. So I think that's probably why you started to see a lot more threes be put up. They shot thirty three three point shots in this game. They went four for thirty three. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic twelve percent. Ridiculous. Um, but that doesn't. Even, oh, that's crazy. Looking at Boston, they went twenty two out of fifty five. Mm-hmm. They put up fifty five. Uh, Grant Williams had eighteen. Three point shots. It's and he a, hit seven of them. Yeah, it's amazing how important a three point line is um, in this and uh, these games. You know, I mean, if you could own the three point shot, then you're probably going to win. Oh yeah, and that's that's exactly what happened. You know, they were up by fifteen going into the fourth quarter. Milwaukee couldn't hit a three. Boston continued to hit threes, and they just they just ran away with this game. Mm-hmm. Giannis, he had 25 points, which, you know, isn't that much, but still he had 20 rebounds, 9 assists. So to go back to what I said earlier, you know, should he have passed more? I mean, that's awesome. 9 assists from him. And then uh, yeah. even Drew Holiday had 8 assists too. I mean, he had 21 points to go along with that, 5 rebounds. So they and I, I think they played great, but they just uh, had a, a lot of cold players on their team. Yeah, and when that happens, it it's just... There's nothing you could do. You just gotta try to keep it close and hope that they warm up. Yeah, and it, it never happened. Instead, Boston got hot. Yeah, and it, it's really the biggest thing in this game. I think was the three pointers. There's just so many shots that were were missed on a three point line, and they just uh, yeah, they couldn't come back from that. I I said it in the last uh, overtime edition we did after Game One of the Eastern Conference Finals, but with Marcus Smart. The announcers, they think they're so clever with their smart puns. I hate those. That was a smart play by smart. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you can see them like high-fiving each other yeah, with their dad jokes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> More like rad jokes. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it was so bad and they kept doing it like, ugh. So I was kind of happy that he wasn't playing in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Not really. <laughs> yeah, I right. think Marcus Smart's a fun player to watch. I but it's like, you. at least I don't have to hear that stupid joke seven times. Right. I, I just kind of wish they would switch the camera over to them after they crack a joke just to look at their stupid smug yeah. smiles. You know? <laughs> See them high-fiving. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that one? That was pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> so Milwaukee and Phoenix both do not have a chance to defend their, their Eastern or Western Conference uh, titles, respectively. Yep. And both lose in embarrassing fashions in Game 7. I I you know I already talked about this game in, in one of the overtime podcasts. I don't really have much more to say about this. Boston played a better team, played a better game. I think Boston was the better team at the end of the day. And they have advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. Are there any, any closing notes you want to add, Ronnie? Uh, yeah, just uh, I wanted to go over Giannis a little bit more. So Giannis had 20 offensive fouls oh, sure. in these playoffs. That's two per game in a Celtics series. So I found that interesting because usually he's 20 a... offensive fouls? Yes. So that, I just found that wow. interesting because when a player like him, you know, whenever I, I see him go to the, the hole, I always I always see fouls called for him, you know, and I just thought that was interesting that yeah. there was, that's a lot of fouls. I mean, two per game. So I found that interesting. But the big thing was that he was a first player with 200 points, 
100 rebounds and 50 assists in a playoff series. So great job, Giannis, on that part. That that was amazing. It's 200 points, 100 rebounds, and 50 assists? Yes. That is that is quite the resume. No one else in playoff history has done that in a series. Right. Wow. So yeah, props to and him. That's, that's really impressive. Do you think he's going to win MVP now because of that? I mean, I kind of think he has to, even well, though he lost, they, but... <laughs> they, they already announced MVP, Ronnie. No, for the playoffs. Playoff MVP. Do they do a playoff MVP? Oh, maybe I'm thinking of finals MVP. You know what? My bad. They do. They Well, they, they added a Western Conference Finals MVP and an Eastern Conference Finals MVP named the Larry Bird Award and the Magic Johnson Award, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, he, he could... He can't win that because he has to be in the Eastern Conference Finals to win that. But yeah, I he he, he was definitely dominant in this series. I, I think that you know they found a way to to stop him. Twenty five points in a game seven is not a Giannis performance. You're going to win most of those games. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, yeah. Well, those are my closing statements on that. Good job, Celtics. I I think they're a fantastic team, and it's going to be exciting to watch them against the the Heat. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Dallas and Phoenix, Game 7, this game, the final score, 123-90, to point differential of 33 points, tied for the fourth worst loss differential in a Game 7 in NBA playoff history. I don't have anything to say about this game. It was a fantastic game, and I'm I'm glad it played out the way it did. Yeah, it's a very close game, very competitive, Uh. and... (laughs) Uh, yeah, at one point it was 0-0. That was the closest the Suns would get. Yeah, that, that was pretty good. It's, this is the stupidest game I've ever watched in my whole entire life. I don't even know why I'm a Suns fan. Seriously. Like, why, why do I put myself through this? Wow. Like, okay, seriously. So, two <laughs> years ago, right? A little extreme. Two years ago, we're up two games in the finals against the Bucks, And then I'm feeling all good. You know, I'm, I'm super high. I'm like, yeah, well, all we have to do is win two more, and then we're NBA champions. The four games against us, and we were out of the we're out of the finals. We lost, and then this time we're up two games against the Mavs. I'm like, cool. We just need to win two more, and then we're going to the conference finals, and we lose almost every single game after that. I just we don't lose, understand. Yeah, we lose four out of the next five. Yeah, I just don't understand these Suns. And what what do you think happened? You could you put your nose on anything? You know, like could could you narrow it down to one thing? There's there's a couple of things. I think they changed their style of play after game five. I think they started trying to, I don't know what the right term would be, but hunt for fouls. They were driving with no intention of passing or shooting, just that. hoping that they would get called for a foul. And when it didn't happen, uh, both game six and seven, it, it, then they just kind of turned the ball over. I mean, their turnovers were ridiculous these last two games. Yeah. So I, Part of me thinks it was it was related to that. Uh, part of it was also just some of the, let's just say, call it disrespect the Suns put towards the Mavs, and I think that lit a fire under them. Yeah. You know, calling it the Lucas Special by Devin Booker, that's going to make some people mad, especially Luka. Mm-hmm. The the dunk at the end of Game 5 by Biombo that was completely unnecessary, Yeah, uh, very disrespectful, and I think... That doesn't sit well. That gives them that little extra motivation to come out there and really stick it to them. They come out, they win game six, and the Suns just look 
defeated at that point, and it's certainly carried over to Game Seven. Twenty-seven mm-hmm. seventeen at the end of the first quarter. Got it. Absolutely insane. It was ridiculous. So before this, Mavs had lost nine straight in Phoenix. They they haven't won in Phoenix for the last nine games, and then it was like twenty nineteen <laughs> or something was the last yeah. time they won in Phoenix. So stupid. And then this is a fifth time CP lost his series after being up two and zero. So I don't know what's going on with him, but it, he just feels too comfortable yeah. after being up two games, and and then to start relaxing and getting owned on the court. Yeah, he. I, I have no idea if he was injured or if he was hurt or if it was just in his head, but he played awful pretty much games three through seven. I don't have his all of his stats in front of me, but mm-hmm. for, for a game seven to go four for eight, he only took eight shots and, and shoot 50%. Um, that's not good. Four assists, that's that's not good. He yeah. was – it wasn't just him. Everybody on the team was terrible. Right. But especially him after he had that fourteen of fourteen, you know, shots made, hundred percent from the field, and then he comes back with you know these next five games, and I don't know, just I don't know what's going on with him. Here's what I think happened though, and so I think the Suns, you know, being all year long, they were a great passing team, and then I think they ran into a Mavs coach who was one of the all-time passing leaders, who knew exactly how to disrupt the Suns' offense and uh, expose our weakness by basically taking our two best players out of the game. So Mavs got into our pace, passing lanes. Uh, CP had the ball, and then they double-teamed Booker when they when he had the ball. So Mavs, Mavs just figured us out, you know? So every, every time CP had it, go into the passing lanes and get a turnover. Every time Booker had it, they just get a double-team going. Like, Booker would go to, to do a switch, right? And then instead of a player actually switching switching the player, you know, he would just they would both go on Booker when on that switch. And Booker sucks. On double teams. Remember, I said that last yeah, podcast. He, how that's I didn't want to say it out did, loud. Yeah. Oh, he's the worst. And do you he remember? Struggles to. Yeah. Do you remember three or four? Yeah, three or four years ago, um, he he got some flack for he was in a pickup game, and then he got really mad, and it was caught on someone's phone. You know, where he was like, "What are you double teaming me on?" You know, I just in a pickup game. That's bullshit. You know, and you know why he got mad is because he sucked. <laughs> so they on a pickup game. They actually realized it, so they would double team him, and they and Booker was turning it over. It's just ridiculous. Like he's like at the Y getting double team and complaining about it. Well, maybe <laughs> you should stop complaining about it and practice that and get better at that because I don't understand it. How there's two guys on him, that means there's there's four guys out on the on someone's open. There's only three guys guarding the four guys out there, so someone's open Booker, and but the way he passes it on a double team too, he just kind of. Will like lob it up, but you need to you need to zip that pass over there. Otherwise, the other guy's gonna get it too. Yeah, I, I agree. Devin Booker double team is extremely effective. the The other thing that they went away from was they were isolating Luca and making him guard the ball carrier and kind of exposing Luca's defensive inadequacies. Inadequacies, and they completely went away from that. Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't understand why they would go away from something that was working, mm-hmm. and it just, it, it was ugly. Fifty-seven twenty-seven was the halftime score. Suns scored ten points in the second half. I'm sorry, the second quarter, uh, down by thirty, going into the locker room. Oh. What, 
let's Excuse let's me. put on a hypothetical situation here. If you were Monty Williams, what are you telling your team down fifty-seven twenty-seven? Listen, first of all, why why is Monty putting in CP and Booker again? Like, t- switch it up, you know. Like we have Holiday, we have Campaign, we have so many. We had probably the deepest bench I've ever seen on a Suns team. Yet, just because those guys are starters doesn't mean you got to play them. Like they're obviously they're getting stopped, so switch it up and see what else works. And if I was Monty and I was in the locker room, I'd be like, "Listen, guys, I, I need to, I just need to try something different. This is no off offense to you, as a as a starter or as a player. I just need to see what happens if we put different players in because I just need to mix it up. Obviously, they have a game plan set to get us. It's working. We need to try something different to disrupt this game plan." So that game plan looks like what? You're not putting in CP3 and Booker, and you're going out with Shamit, Johnson, uh, Payne. I would have put in Holiday Biombo. as our point guard. Yeah, no, seriously. Holiday, okay. I would have put Holiday in as a point guard to see what he could, because he's more of a shooter. Um, with with CP, he just, the Mavs knew that he was going to pass it. Uh, with Holiday out there, they don't know what he's going to do because they haven't really seen him too much before. And then I would also put... Biombo in at the same time as McGee because I don't like Aiton very much. <laughs> um, Aiton wasn't a big factor in this game, if I was to be honest. I don't really think it was a big factor in the series, but that's just maybe my personal opinion. I see a lot of things that other people don't see, I think. But uh, here, I'll explain. This is my thought process. So a lot of times when when uh, Luca would be out there on the perimeter, he would get a switch and Aiton would be guarding Luca, And then that leaves no one to rebound the ball um, Aiton just has to do his best, but Aiton's kind of, he would do his best to guard Luca, but he knows that if Luca drives past him, there's a bunch of small guys left to try to get him. And so he would just do his best out there. And then when Luca shot a three, Aiton never went out to go the, get the rebound if, if it was missed, you know, not that it was missed very much, but so my thought is, uh, if you have Biombo and then McGee, if one of those switches happens where you got a center on on Luca now guarding on the outside, you could let him drive past you, but then you're going to have either another big down low to try to stop Luca. So you have you have two bigs out there to to prevent that from happening. Does that make sense? So your your suggestion or your recommendation would go to a, a bigger lineup, right? And you know Luca's going to beat those bigs off with his with his dribble and get into the lane, but then you have help that's, waiting for him. Yeah, that's um, part of it. The as other long as thing, they don't spread the floor. Yeah. yeah, that's the other thing is that we also have rebounding help because we were rebounding for crap when we had Aiton in there. So, yeah, just bench yeah. him, and and then he was crying on the sideline too. So whatever, you could go to another well, let's, team. Let's now. jump. Let's get back to Aiton in just a second because I think yeah. that warrants a longer discussion. Yeah, uh, I put my notes. The only person that looked like they had any sort of success against Luca game seven, and I say success with a smirk. Uh, was Cam Johnson seemed to be doing okay mm-hmm. against him. He's a bigger guy, but he's still pretty quick. But even with, you know, right up in his face sometimes, Luca would still knock down those shots. He was just dialed yeah. in. He was locked in. I don't right. know that it would have mattered who was covering him at that point. But at least Cam could keep up with him, Cam Johnson, and, and stay on top of him and, and not just absolutely get roasted by him like – like when they switch off DA, even Booker's defense on on Luca was was not very good. Mm-hmm. So in that he was case, waiting for help, and what I would have done is double teamed him uh, with some of our bigger guys too. So 
if you if you have big guys on Luca and you're double teaming him, then Luca kind of it's going to be, be very difficult for him to pass, just like it was for Booker. And then if you have the quicker guys, you know the the three quicker guys guarding the four Mavs player that are left on the floor. Well, if Luca just kind of lobs the ball up or you know does a slow pass, you're going to have these quicker guys that are able to jump at that ball and try to steal it too, just like they did with Booker. Yeah, nothing was working for the Suns. I don't know if 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 they would have. I don't know if Monty asked the officials if they could put in six guys. Um, <laughs> no, that might have helped a little bit. But <laughs> not, that's, that's not what I probably... said at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I'm just saying. I, I, you, it, I don't know if it would have helped with six guys. Even you know, yeah. I, I guess is my point is that they were just they were dialed in and locked in. I I feel like some of those shots that Luca took contested. You could not have played defense any better. He mm-hmm. just hit him. So he has that fadeaway that just looks so good, and right. there's nothing you can do if he's locked in. I don't think it – so you're saying if there would have been two people on him, he wouldn't have even had a chance to to get comfortable to line up that shot. He would have had to dish it out. Yeah, naturally with him, it just he, – he'll want to get rid of the ball because when he sees double teams coming, he he wants to pass he it to his He doesn't wait until he's buried. Right, exactly. So just, just getting it out of his hands is – is important. So if you double team him, that's that's trying to get it out of his hands because he sees it yeah. coming, you know. So I think that would have helped. Also, what do you think, think about? Do you think CP was injured because he said they said he was seen limping after the game? And do you do you think there's any truth to that? I mean, he's 37, playing a really long NBA season. Probably, I imagine every player is injured a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think he just wore down, and it's almost. What I was wondering, and I, I don't know that you'd ever see this, is do you have to start looking at load management during the playoffs for players like him? There Absolutely. are certainly times where the Suns were ahead by a comfortable margin and Chris Paul came in that I don't know that you needed him to be in. But how far do you go? Do you give him a whole night off? Well, like I said, I mean, we have these other great point guards. You know, we have campaign, we have Aaron Holiday, so put them out so there. So you keep mentioning campaign. Campaign was terrible this playoff run. He, he, he never got his flow. He never got into a groove, and he was a liability when he was out on the floor. He didn't look that great, but I also think that putting him out there might have helped him find his groove too. I I know, I know. He just he missed a lot of shots and everything, but he could work. He if do you ever look at the plus and minus stats at all? Yeah. So when you look at campaigns plus and minuses, his aren't bad at all. Like it, he plays great defense, and yeah, he might not pr- produce that well offensively like scoring wise but he passes the ball well he doesn't turn it over much and even though he misses shots he just he's, he makes it up in a lot of different ways though i'm looking at his last five games his plus, his plus minus are are not that good so i'm not sure what uh, maybe i was look, maybe i was looking at the series before but yeah it was a while since i looked at that maybe i'm just making myself look like a dumbass <laughs> sorry <laughs> But no, no but he, from what I was looking, struggled at... shooting. He he hasn't played a whole lot of minutes, but when he has been in for more than five minutes, he's always uh, a minus. Uh, he was plus eight in the final game of the season, but at that point, it was over. When yeah, he was that in. don't count. So it it doesn't count at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think I think you're giving him more credit than what he is. He's he's a small guy. I don't think he would have been able to handle Luca. Tell you what, uh, his his plus minus is probably a lot better in the whole series now. When you take into consideration that Paul. Uh, Chris Paul's was like negative 39, I think, that yeah, last Chris game. Paul's was, that last game was, <laughs> everyone was pretty bad. Mikkel Bridges yeah. minus 40, Jay Crowder minus 37, yeah. You can't really use that 
That's right. sort of a uh, oh, bad. Uh, you know, I yeah, I might have been stuff. mainly looking at the series before that. That that's might be my fault. Sorry. But here, let me get back no, to no, I, I, you. You've always been optimistic on campaign, and I mm-hmm. I haven't been as much. So I I, th- I think we're just in a disagreement there, and that's fine. I I think campaign <clears throat> is certainly capable of it. However, in this playoffs, you know, he he got injured and he came back just before the season ended. I just think that either he came back too soon or mm-hmm. he was favoring uh, because of that injury and not playing the way he needs to play or yeah. just a head, a head case at that point where he can't feel comfortable out there. And that's that's a liability on the floor. Yeah. Well, OK, so we should have put Holiday in. I, I would have I would have absolutely liked to see him. I keep saying Holiday because I wanted to see him out there over campaign because yeah campaign didn't play that well i thought his plus and minus were a lot better but still i think holiday was the the player to put out there he was 100 percent healthy and if you have cp who is favoring his leg or you know had that thigh injury that supposedly came out now you know i i just why if you're if you're cp why keep it to yourself why not tell the coach and if you're the coach and you you know about it why not put Holiday out there just to see what happens, you know, just to see how the how the play turns different, especially when CP is getting owned out there, you know, with like six yeah. turnovers a game, eight eight a different game, you know, just he, he definitely try something off. different. His passes, his passes were lazy, yeah. and it it was it was a really <laughs> tough game to watch. But, I think I texted you at one point. And you said you were turning it off to watch SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was like, that's probably not a bad idea. This yeah, is a terrible a game. Best decision I made. And then for some reason, after SpongeBob and the game was over, I, I the like replay of the game happened at like midnight, and so I turned it back on, and and I'm sitting there crying, crying. again. <laughs> 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 it was ridiculous. But no, Luca. Let's he, talk about. Well, Luca had his way with us. So he, he, I, I like his style. Well, I don't like it, but I like it. So here, this he has this little thing that he does. Like he he'd always dribble a little bit, take a step back, and then he shoot his shot. Um, but or if he needs a space, if he wants a little space created, like if if the defender is like right on him, all he had to do is just put his body into his defender and act like he got hit, and then he'd he'd get a call. So yeah. I think it's it made it very difficult for the Suns to guard him and very frustrating for them too. So. They they really didn't know how to guard Luca because of that because if you if you guard him too close you're gonna get fouled and then you're you're gonna be on the bench but if you if you guard him too far away then he's just gonna shoot his shot and make every three on you so I mean what do you do to stop that you know like like I said maybe double team him is all I could think of I couldn't think of anything It'll else. It'll be interesting to see what Golden State does and what it, it, it's a chess match when you play each other for for a series like that is you know they'll be effective one game. Luca and Jason Kidd will come back, make adjustments, and then maybe Luca's effective. And yeah. you have to kind of go back and forth. But I, I agree with you to a certain extent is that the Suns stop trying to make adjustments and they're like, oh, this didn't work last game. Let's keep trying it. Maybe it'll work this game. Right. And they never really made the, the changes that they needed to make. I don't know if it's personnel. I don't know if it's matchups. I don't know what it is, but they they needed to do something. And uh, maybe, maybe it would have worked. Maybe it didn't. It, sh- it sure didn't work. Game seven. You, you know what he reminded no. me of was uh, James Harden, the Houston Harden. Luca did. Oh, just pretty much being unguardable and taking over games. Yeah, yeah. shooting threes whenever you wanted and just driving to the hoop and getting fouls called on you every time you drive it. Yeah. Let's talk about DeAndre Ayton. There was some some issue with him on the bench. Apparently him and Monty Williams got into a little bit of a, a shouting match. Mm-hmm. 
What have you seen about that or, or have you seen that? So the only clarification I got was a tweet. It was from Mr. Orange. Um, he's kind of like the sun's secondary mascot next to the, the sun's gorilla. He's the guy that dresses in an orange tux and dyes his hair and spray paints his face all orange. <laughs> so uh, he said that uh, DA had words for Monty on that substitution. He said Monty walked towards him and asked, what did you say? And and when the two and then the two coaches stepped in between them. So that's all. So that's just that's all that we could get clarification on, on that. Um I think Aiton basically another tweet said that Monty asked him if he wanted to play anymore. Aiton said no and Monty would just kinda like it's like, all right, whatever. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> I I think they I, what I heard was similar to that is they asked him to go back in and he refused and you know I'm sure there were some words exchanged there. Yeah. If you're DeAndre Ayton, do you think he should have gone back in when you know yes, you're down I, by thirty? I think that he's too young to know that he should have done that, but yeah, he should have. I this is where we're gonna disagree because I don't what benefit is it to him? The game is lost. At at this point, you know you're not going to win this game. You know that this is probably your last game as a Phoenix Sun. Do you want to go out there and potentially injure yourself and cost yourself millions and millions of dollars you mentioned he's young yeah he's young he's got his whole career ahead of him why why go out there and risk it and i feel the same way for these college football players that go out and play in you know the craft macaroni and cheese bowl that means absolutely nothing and they tear an acl and now you know they lose out on millions of dollars because they fall out of the first round i just to me i kind of agree with aiden what's the point i understand what you're saying but no i mean it's it's game seven it's your last opportunity, last chance, even though you're down by 40 freaking points. You just have to go out there and finish it with the rest of your team. Booker went out there. CP went out there. Right. Aiton, you need to go gonna out there. that's not going to be his team. As soon as the game ends, that is no longer his team. Well, what yeah, if, now. I guess, I guess it's pretty obvious that – well, I think it was obvious before. that I don't think DeAndre Aiton wants to be a son. I think the way that this contract was handled during yeah. the offseason – Left a sour note in his mouth, and I think he was probably more upset about it than than he led on to be. And then just getting absolutely embarrassed in your final game probably just was too much for him, and he just he was just done. Yeah, so I mean, the Suns didn't offer him a max contract because we wanted him to prove his worth, and I don't think he proved his worth in these playoffs. So, um, not for a max contract, at least. I mean, they give out max contracts like candy these days i i don't know what else I, we've had this conversation before i don't know what else you want he's a top five center in my mind probably maybe top five top eight borderline top five center you're gonna have to pay a max contract to those sort of guys if if you want them to stay and i think the Suns knew that and i don't think they had any intention to do that so they kind of maybe gave him some false hope or um misdirection to to get him to play this final season but i i think you know, Sarver is, is great at doing that, is not extending guys that you really need to be extended. And I think he ruined this relationship. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, he's a restricted free agent, so Suns have first right of refusal. But I, I hearing a lot of information or a lot of rumors of a sign and trade, and I think that makes the most sense for, for the Suns. I don't know if DeAndre will necessarily appreciate that, but at least then we can get something uh, and return for him, but I, I don't think there's any chance he's a Phoenix Sun. That's what I was going to ask. Like, is he a total unrestricted free agent? So, like, we can't even trade him. He's just, he's just. No, 
Wait. So he's a restricted free agent, which okay. means if he goes, he could he could try to get a new offer. If he goes to, let's say, the Dallas Mavericks, who are missing, you know, don't really have a strong center, mm-hmm. he goes to them and say, "Hey, we're going to give you, I don't know, three years, a hundred million dollars." He could come back to the Suns and say, "Hey, they offered me three years, a hundred million dollars. You either have to match it or you have to let me go." Yeah. Well, the Suns could say, "Well, <laughs> how about this? We'll give you three years, a hundred million dollars." And we're going to trade you to the Mavericks in exchange for whatever. Yeah, their center. <laughs> so it would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think that's the case. But yeah, so that I don't. I don't think he's going to be a Sun next year. I think the Suns will try to do a sign and trade. It's just finding a willing participant that one wants him, and two, you can get something back in return for him. Now in NBA, the trades have to be somewhat financially equal. So sometimes you'll see some draft picks and, and stuff thrown in, but. You know, Suns Twitter is absolutely ridiculous with some of their rumors. It's like, oh, Kevin Durant, he's going to come to the Suns. They're going to do a sign and trade with uh, Brooklyn. It's like, no, right. no, they're not. Yeah, that's ridiculous on Twitter. But, I mean, I, I got my hopes up. <laughs> who who would you like to see come here? Uh, you know, it, so the, the most the, the likely scenario is that he signs a max uh, deal. And the Suns do a sign and trade. So he signs a max deal with the Suns and they trade him essentially for a max player on another team. Is there a player that jumps out to you like, ooh, I would like that? Well, considering that the last game, Aiton had five points, four rebounds, and one out of four free throws, I'll take any center. <laughs> I don't like Aiton anymore. Monty was coaching him all year long on how to be a big man and. Just uh, he just needs to dominate the paint, but he he doesn't apply to what Monty is telling him. He doesn't apply it, and I'm just done. Like let's just move yeah, he's, on. He's not an aggressive center. He's not attacking the rim. He's I, he's I would much be, rather take that eight foot jumper than yeah. You know, I would be perfectly home. happy if we kept McGee and Biombo. We could give them more money, and then how what do you think McGee's stats would be like do you think they'd be similar to Aiden's if if he just was playing on the floor with CP more often no do you think it would be close no do you think it would be more <laughs> i think there would be a lot you, more rebounds you have this love affair with the with these bench players uh, sure he get more rebounds cuz he's getting more he might get more rebounds but yeah, he's not going to be when i see these players on the Aiden floor all of a sudden scorer. we're rebounding good yeah he is a good scorer but i don't i think that we could score just as well if we had CP out there getting different types of guys open. Like, remember when yeah. CP played with DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan and it was just lobbing up to him? We could get DeAndre Jordan back. Maybe you can't lob it up to him like he used to. Maybe, you know, but... maybe we could get DeAndre Jordan in a time machine <laughs> together. Yeah, I'm just kind of talking about my butt right now, but still, I'm, I just, yeah. I don't care for Aiden anymore. We could release him. I wouldn't mind playing against him because I I think we know the type of player he is, and we're going to, if we ever play against him, we're going to know how to stop him because we he's been on a team so long, and he we don't have to worry about getting out-rebounded by him. Yeah, I'm, I'm sad the way that this ended because he had been such a good player for us. Um, and, you know, we really saw him matured, but I, I do think he's going to go. Mm-hmm. That is unfortunate. So disappointing end to the season for the Phoenix Suns. Disappointing end of the season for the Milwaukee Bucks. If you're a fan of either of those teams, I'm sure you hated the way those Game 7 went. So let's let's get into something a little more silly now that we're all depressed. 
Uh, let's let's do our start bench trade. So if you've been with us before, you know start bench trade is a play on the game we played in school. Mary F. Kill. And in start bench trade, you're looking for a player to start that is the face of your franchise. You're going to build your franchise around this player. Bench is going to be someone that comes off the bench to support this player. He's not the star. He's not the, the centerpiece of your team. But someone that, that you need to help when your starter is out. And trade, you're going to get rid of this guy. Either he doesn't fit well with the identity that you've now built or you just don't like the guy. So any of those reasons are valid. And Ronnie, I got I got one for you first, if, if that's all right, if I go first. Yeah, sure. I have three Pelicans for you. Mm. Brandon Ingram, Zion, and CJ McCollin. Who are you going to start bench trade? Well, they're all young, so I don't have to worry about age and you know building a, a franchise around older players or anything like that so um so those three start bench trade uh with brandon ingram mccullum and zion williams so i would start brandon ingram um i i think i would start him because he really reminded me of kevin durant when i saw him in the playoffs against the sun so i i think that's why i would pick him i would I would probably bench McCollum only because Zion is injury prone. Um, he he's, if he hardly what he's only played like half of his career after getting drafted, maybe not even that. I think it's probably been. Did he even play a full? He didn't play the full season last season, right? I think he only played half that season. I thought he played a full season. Was, did he? Was, was the previous season? It was a, a shortened season, wasn't it? Or did they play eighty two? I just feel like. He had some injuries during that time too. Maybe I'm wrong, but he's just a bigger guy, and I just I feel like he's going to get injured again because of his size. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I would go with on that one. What do you think on that one? Okay, I, a little bit differently than, differently than you. You know, CJ McCollum is 30 years old, so I took that into account uh, when I when I made this. Is so he 30? I, I agree with you. He is 30. Yeah, I'm I'm starting Brandon Ingram. He has played 61 and 55 games these last two years. So he missed a couple of games this year, but for the most part, he's been healthy. His points are twenty, just about 23 points per game. They're actually all pretty consistent when you look at some of that stuff. So both mm -hmm. CJ and Brandon, healthy for most of the games. They both put up around 23 points. They have similar contracts. They have similar shooting percentage, similar assists. It's really kind of consistent across the board. You know, Brandon has more turnovers. Uh but he also has more rebounds, so, you know, give or take. So I, I'm going with Brandon Ingram. He's 24 years old, and I agree with you. You know, he played so well in this playoff series, and I think he's only going to get better as, as he matures. And, you know, Willie Green is, I think, a fantastic head coach, and it's the right coach to, to help lead him to the next level. And I'm going to bench Zion. Zion's 21. Yes, he was injured this year, mm -hmm. but he played a full season last year. And average 27 points a game. He has a very friendly contract for the next two years. That plays a role in it. And his shooting percentage, he shot 61% last year. Yeah. And now, he's taking high percentage shots, but that's okay. I'm I'm happy with that. Uh, his turnovers are a little bit high, but his rebounds are, are, are very high as well. He's averaging seven rebounds a game, which, you know... That's much better than CJ McCollum. That's much better than Brandon Ingram. So I'm starting Brandon, benching Zion, and I'm I'm trading CJ McCollum for those reasons. Well, you know, it wouldn't be bad to 
just like what the Pelicans are doing right now, what what if you start Zion because he attracts players to your team, you know? I mean, you, you see him play and other people want to play with him, so you just are naturally going to have a better team because good players are going to come to play with him. Um, right, but, and the reason I didn't do that was because of the injury potential. So I, I yeah, don't. So you'd bench. I, I need him to be playing. I need him to be healthy for a couple of years, or at least two years in a row, uh, before I, I'm willing to commit to him long term. Yeah. So, and then you want to trade McCollum because he's old. I'm going to trade McCollum because he's older. What, what, what's that called when you're racist against age? <laughs> Ageist? <laughs> yeah, you're ageist. Ageism? I'm not... I, well, here's the <laughs> bottom line. The stats between Ingram and CJ are pretty similar. The biggest one is that one is six years younger than the other. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if I can get a younger version, I'm going to do that. He has more turnovers, but he has more rebounds. So, it really, to me, is... is they're almost identical uh, stat line, and, and they both have been healthy for the last two years. So, you know, as they age... I think CJ's going to have less games played and his shooting percentage is going to drop. I don't know. Whereas I think the ceiling for Brandon has yet to be seen. I'm noticing a trend with you. We'll see if oh it boy. happens with my players. Oh, it's, it's, it's 100% going to happen. But. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get what you're saying, you know, when, you're, when you say you want to build a franchise around it. But at the same time, when you have a, a player who's proved himself and you know, he was really good, like CJ McCollum, don't you think he's going to attract players and they're going to be like, I want to play with him because he's in his prime right now and look you know, look what he did. I don't know. I, I kinda, I'm saying that, but when we, compared to these other players, these other players are, like you said, just as good as him, though. So I'll, I'll actually... I'll, I'll let you... I'll, I'll give you the pass for this one. You know, I, I totally understand why you're doing it in this case because yeah, their, their stats are so similar. And all, like, the only yeah. difference is age. <laughs> yes <laughs> cj also makes more money than brandon so i i'd, I'd keep the cheaper option there you go so there right. we go okay so all right ronnie who do you got on your side i want to know i already know <laughs> because you're going to pick the oldest one to to <laughs> get rid of and keep the youngest one so out of my choices are these are the ones that were just outperforming in the playoffs that just like standout players right now I want to know who you would start bench and trade out of Jimmy Butler, Clay Thompson, or Jason Tatum. Well, Jason Tatum's twenty three, so he's the youngest. <laughs> he is my stardom, of course. Um, that to me was a no brainer. Honestly, I don't know who who you have. I'll be interested to hear. But to me, Jason Tatum has been. I don't know if he's outperforming in these playoffs, but he has just been really, really good in this playoffs. It's really coming into his own. Uh, he's been healthy the last two seasons. He's been averaging over twenty five points a game. So I just kind of looked at the previous season and the current season. Uh, that, I felt like that was enough to give me a trend on, on where he's going. And he's been consistent across those two seasons. Uh, his rebounds numbers are up a little bit. He's averaging eight rebounds a game, which I think is great for a shooting forward. And he's just has a high shot percentage, 45%. Pretty, pretty good. It's it's on par with Brandon and CJ. And his assist numbers, he's averaging four assists a game. Mm-hmm. He's he's been a solid player. It's definitely someone that I think you can build a franchise around and have. You know, we talked about those championship windows. I think with Jason Tatum and a couple of pieces around him, you have a seven year window because he's been so consistent and so good. Right. So then my 
bench player is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is 32 years old. <laughs> he has played a lot of games. Uh, both last season, he he's injured from time to time. He gets some rest days, but he hasn't had any serious injuries. And he's averaging 20 points a game. Uh, very, both, all three of these guys that you gave me are super expensive players, but yeah. kind of disregard that. He's he's the second cheapest of the players. His shooting percent is hovering around 50%, and he's he's a great rebounder, and he just can take over games. Well, both Jason Tatum and Butler yeah. and Clay. I mean, that's not a fair comparison. All three of these guys can take over games, but Butler is is so dominant. He could shoot. He could get be aggressive <clears throat> in the paint, and I think that's uh, that's why I want him coming off the bench for Jason Tatum. He is nine years older than Jason Tatum, so. I, I don't want him to – you can't build a franchise around a player that's on the downward trajectory of his career. Yeah. And uh, Clay Thompson is being traded. Clay Thompson has missed the last two seasons. He only played 32 games this season. So he has a history. He's 31. Uh, he averages less points than Jimmy Butler. He This season has a lower shooting percentage than Jimmy Butler. Again, Jimmy Butler is taking very different types of shots than versus Clay. Mm -hmm. But he's just, you know, looking at his stats, kind of pedestrian. Yeah. When you when I saw that game six that he was in, I I kind of, that's why I put him in this mix, you know, because I mean he was yeah. Mister Game Six, and it was just a ridiculous game, and yeah, it made me think. I just wondered if you would put him above either one of these two players, but I, I really didn't think you would. But it was a <laughs> it was a fantastic game six, and it did make me make me think. Oh yeah. And that's that's the, you know I mentioned that all three of these guys could take over a game and, and Clay definitely did in, in Game Six and you know if I'm getting Clay's Game Six performance week in and week out this is a different conversation right absolutely so mine is a little different so I would personally start Jimmy Butler um, just the reason being is because he he's proved himself year in year out I mean he's so ridiculous like offensively and defensively. And he's very similar to Jason Tatum in that that manner too. Where, yeah, Tatum's younger and same thing. I mean, he's an offense defensive player too. But I don't know. Jimmy Butler is just a, a different kind of player. I don't, I don't know if you've seen that on TV when he was doing his interview and they're talking about like what what do you think about your stats and this and that and what do you play for and he's like I just play to win. I don't I don't care about my stats and um they're talking about how he had like forty one points and all this stuff and he's like I. I don't care. I just want to win. He's just made to win. He doesn't care about anything except for just, he doesn't want to build his stats. He doesn't care. Just win. That's all. So he definitely has those leadership qualities that you look for right. when you're trying to build a franchise. So it's just a little yeah. different there. Um, I would put Jason Tatum second. I would, yeah, I would put him on my bench and then Clay Thompson, I would trade. Um, no real big reason other than kind of like what you said, Clay Thompson is, is prone to injury too as well, and I, I seem to put those players. So, you you might you might have ageism, but I have a uh, <laughs> what what is it called when you? <laughs> I'm just making up words now. So uh, injuryism. <laughs> yeah, injuryism. If you're handicapped, then you can't be on my team. <laughs> Handicap pro. <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's often injured. He's been, like I said, he missed the previous two seasons. We're com coming back this year. Yeah, but he—he's a fantastic player. And I, part of it is I—I've never really seen Clay play on other teams before, too. So, how much is it? Is just like if if he was on like 
any other team you could think of. You know, would he play that as well as he does with with the Warriors? I don't, I don't know. But Jason Tatum, I mean, if he was on the, I, yeah, if if Clay Thompson was on the Suns, we might have actually hit a shot. In game yeah, seven. But. Well, yeah. But then if you think about these other players like Jason Tatum, if you put him on any other team, he's probably still going to play the same. Jimmy Butler's still going to play the same. I don't know about We've Clay seen Thompson. Jimmy Butler on multiple teams. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. <laughs> have success on multiple teams. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's what I think with the. Do you have any weird ones that you thought of that you want to do for this? Oh, no, I don't have any other ones. I just. I was also looking at some of their contracts when I took this. Clay Thompson is the most expensive player of, of these other five, more so than the other five. So, of the six players we talked about, uh, you know, uh, Clay Thompson's making forty-three million dollars next year, mm-hmm. compared to Zion, who's making thirteen million dollars. So it's really he he's getting paid a lot of money uh, for the last two years to not play. He's a free agent after after next year, so I I don't know that he's going to get a contract that looks just like that. Yeah, but he's that was something I took into consideration as well uh, for for this one. Both Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler are under contract for one, two, three, four, four more years, whereas Clay Thompson's only, he's a free agent after next year. So I did weigh that a little bit into my decision-making. Uh, not a whole lot, but I think it probably would have been the way, if, even if those were all equal as far as their free agent situation goes. Do you think Clay Thompson's going to get another big contract? Or I th- how, does think... that, how does that relationship with the Warriors end? Because at some point, those guys aren't going to get paid and... Mm-hmm. Are they going to go somewhere else, or are they going to take less money and, and keep keep with the same team? Yeah, I, I think if it's with the Warriors, then yes, you pay them. But again, they're already one of the highest paid teams out there, so it's going to be tough for them to do that. But as long as they could financially manage it, then yes. Even if you're not getting the production, you're still going to pay him because of the reputation of what he's done in the past? Um, I think it's because of his capabilities. He's capable of doing it and if he needs to in the playoffs. Okay. That's always an interesting dilemma that teams face is you don't want to give somebody a contract for what they have accomplished. Moreover, you want to give them a contract for what they will accomplish. And like, I don't know. Like that's, that, that's a good, that that's game a six, one. they needed him and he, he came through and where, uh, Aiton, for example, didn't come through. So you don't pay him. Like, you know what I mean? Like some, some players are good in the playoffs. Some players are not. Okay. Some are clutch players, yeah. some aren't. Some aren't. So, yeah. Ronnie, I wanted to talk to you about a movie. Uh, it's called For the Love of the Game. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my most favorite movies ever. <laughs> we uh, The last episode we talked about For the Love of the Game, which is a movie about baseball. So you might have noticed we have a podcast called Field of Dreams, which is a baseball movie. I thought it would be funny. To name it that, after Ronnie went into great detail about his love for the love of the game, which uh, is a baseball movie starring Kevin Costner. The movie you were actually thinking of was called He Got Game. Yep. I'm an idiot. And you, you, were, you were talking about James Jones and how wonderful he was in <laughs> for the love of the game. But let's pretend you said the right movie. James Jones and He Got Game. Uh, James Jones was not in He Got Game. I am so smart. <laughs> Ray Allen was in He Got Game and I have not seen this movie so I, I I have to ask you have you actually seen this movie? Yeah, I seen it twice but it was a long time ago. <laughs> one one was a uh, I was like 13. It was seriously like over 20 years ago when I first saw it. So 1998 <laughs> is when it came out. Yeah. You were not 13 in 1998. I don't know how old I was. I was I was pretty small. I was in my teenage years. 
probably. You're in your teenage like, years, yes. You, you, you didn't have a driver's yeah. license would be my guess. But uh, yeah, I watched it with my buddy and uh, he was like, dude, you got to watch this movie. I was like, all right, I'll try. And uh, yeah, I got my hands on it, even though it was rated R. So that was pretty cool. It is rated R, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, it was a so fantastic I, movie. And then I watched it again about two years ago, roughly. And yeah, I just, it sucks that I butchered that that title. <laughs> and But most importantly, no, I, I butchered it that it was James Jones and Ray Allen. I, oh my God, yeah. I'm an idiot. Both both shooters, both that played for the Heat. So, yeah. you know, maybe maybe that's what got you, Ronnie. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen For the Love of the Game either. I have seen Field of Dreams uh, a long time ago. Yeah. Field of Dreams is okay, but it is a baseball movie and whatever. It is a baseball <laughs> movie, yep. Any any other movie recommendations you want to uh you want to put out there, Ronnie? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously he I saw this great basketball movie called The Mighty Pelicans. They were an ice hockey team. Oh no, wait, Mighty Ducks. <laughs> No, he got game. So is that's a gonna fantastic be the name of this movie, episode. Man. This episode's gonna be called the mighty the mighty pelicans. I think is what we'll call this episode. I still recommend he got game, not for the love of the game. He got game. Watch that one, starring Ray Allen, not James Jones. And I'm sorry for reading that horribly. You you and me had a <laughs> hilarious time just after the podcast. You know, we closed it up, and then yeah. I started looking it up, and I was like, who realized how wrong you were? <laughs> yeah. I was like, look at James Jones. He's in this movie, and then we looked up, and we couldn't find it, and then. <laughs> later on we couldn't even find the name of the movie and i'm like what we, we found the name of the movie it was a baseball movie so then we were trying to yeah. figure out what the hell i was talking about and i knew what i was talking about i just didn't know the right title and the right player <laughs> i went to imdb and looked up james jones and he had one one project where he played himself and it was like the nba finals <laughs> documentary yeah. or something like uh that's not it but yeah you and me just started cracking up after we found out how wrong i was how how much of an idiot I probably sounded on that podcast. I'm all confident. Yeah. I was like, Ronnie, yeah, it's such a good movie. You should all watch it. I'm glad you're feeling better. It's good to have you back on the podcast. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you can stay healthy. And we got some good basketball ahead of us. Game two of the Eastern and Western Conference Finals are coming up. And it's going to be a lot of basketball the next couple of weeks as as these teams trying to win, try to win a championship. So... Stay tuned. Catch our overtime episodes where we talk about each of the games. Follow us on Twitter. Check out the description on the podcast to find our Twitter handles, as well as the JNR fan line where you can give us a call. Send me a text. If you're watching the game, send me a text on that number. I will possibly respond back depending on uh, the team I'm wanting, winning or losing. But get involved. Connect with the show. Happy to hear from you. And that's all I have for this week. Ronnie, any closing words for, uh, for the podcast? Uh, boo Mavs and just everyone cry for the Suns for me too please alright guys that'll do it for us this week thanks for listening we'll see you next time thanks guys